Welcome to the We Earn Media Show, where each episode we chat with a media professional, like an editor or journalist, and we discuss what makes a great and not so great PR journalist relationship. With me is my co-host, Jackie Lambert. On the show with Jackie and I today, we have Susan Johnston-Taylor. Susan is a full-time freelance writer who covers personal finance, entrepreneurship, and other lifestyle topics. Her writing has appeared in places such as U.S. News, Fast Company, and Startup Nation. Susan also wrote a children's book last year with teacher-created materials titled Right Across Time. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. All right. So before the show, Jackie and I asked you to find a story that you wrote that resulted from a PR pitch, and you had shared one that you wrote for StartupNation.com. Can you give a short summary of that story and also talk about why the pitch to write about the subject stood out to you? Yes. So for a couple of years, I wrote a monthly Q&A for startupnation.com, and hopefully I'll be able to resume that after the pandemic. So each month I'd interview someone who has expertise for entrepreneurs, and often that someone would be um, the author of a book coming out that month, um, other people that are consulting with entrepreneurs, It needed to be someone who had broad expertise that could be useful to a variety of entrepreneurs rather than someone who had launched a startup or two. Um, So often I'd reach out to book publicists when I saw that a serial entrepreneur had an upcoming book, and sometimes I'd get ideas based on pitches. So last year, her publicist emailed me, and it resulted in that Q&A, and the pitch appealed to me because I'd been wanting to profile more women And I thought that branding is kind of an evergreen topic that appeals to almost any startup, whether they're in tech, retail. And it was also timely because Liz's book had just came out. So it really hit the sweet spot for me of the types of um, experts that I was looking for for that project. That's cool. So did Liz's publicist, um, it sounds like she sent you an email? Yes. And had you ever worked with her before? I don't think I had. Okay, cool. So it was a cold pitch. Yes, I believe so. And it checked all the boxes. Yeah. We're always just super curious to know a lot of advice sometimes is never cold pitch a reporter. So um, we like to clarify whether or not if it was cold pitched or if it was someone who you worked with before and had a relationship with. So that's always just really interesting for us just to give you some context. Sure. Let me see if I can find, if I can find that original email, I can tell you what the subject line was and what caught my attention. I should have looked through that. That'd be really cool. I mean, most people don't ever pull them up and read the subject line, but that would be super interesting. So if you could do that, if that's available to you. I have it right here. Ah, yay. Um, It says, new book helps female entrepreneurs build their confidence, their brands, and their bank accounts. Oh, That's nice. I like it. (laughs) And I think that the keywords that really caught my eye in that subject line were female entrepreneurs and brands. Cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, I need to ask, how many paragraphs is the pitch? (laughs) We're going to get nitty gritty because I'm excited. I have it. That's great. I have it in front of me and it's very, it's very short. It's, it's three paragraphs plus a sign off, but two of the paragraphs are, only about one line long. So two, yeah, two, of, the, two of the paragraphs are one sentence. One sentence paragraph, a meteor paragraph, another one sentence paragraph. And then thanks so much for your time. Oh wow, that's really short. Do you want to read it or is that too much? You don't have to, but. 
I don't know that I don't know that we need to to read it, but it was short and sweet, and it you know the branding the branding element captured my attention, and also the 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 keyword female entrepreneurs. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that it's so short. That's really cool. So it sounds like she knew exactly what you were interested in writing about, didn't have to necessarily personalize the pitch too much because you could tell straight away that she did her research. And it was it was also timely because the the book either had just come out or was about to come out. She also she attached she attached a media kit, but I don't know that I I don't know that I read the media kit in much detail. Did she offer to send you the book? Um, I was just curious. I don't, I don't see it in here. And I think that, um, I sometimes, sometimes I have time to read, read the book, especially Mm -hmm. if a publicist says this, this expert is really going to come alive if they know that you've read their book. Um, I'll read their book. But for this one, I think, um, it was just based on kind of we were talking about the t- the topic of of the book broadly. Cool. Okay, that's good to know. Would you say that you work often with publicists or PR folks who cold pitch you, or are they usually people who you have relationships with previously? I would say most of the PR people I work with are people that I have a relationship with previously, and it's usually usually the assignment results not from a pitch. But from me pitching a topic and then seeking out experts who can who can speak to that topic, so it's more building relationships with PR people who can who can deliver on whatever my current assignment is. I have a question related to that. Um, do you welcome cold pitches from PRs that have read and understand the work that you do, and just simply tell you what experts they work with? That way, you can file away in the future. Is that helpful at all? I think so. Right now, right now I'm getting ready to work on a ghostwriting project with a client for the next two months. So there's probably not going to be a ton of pitching, but that mm, is yeah. that is helpful in general. If someone says that they have specific kind of give me a rundown of what experts they have available should the need arise in the future. That's great. What are other ways that PRs can start building relationships with you? Do you use Twitter to connect with PRs? I do. So sometimes, especially if it's a short, short turnaround assignment, I might tweet um, with the hashtag journal request, you know, looking to connect with small business owners in this niche who are dealing with this issue. And those I get tend to get responses fairly quickly. So if a PR person can, um, can respond that day and say, here's the expert and here's why I think they would be a good fit for you. And I'm happy to set up an interview later this week. That is very helpful. Sometimes I have people who get back to me several days or a week later, and I usually have found the sources that I need by that point. So if they can quickly, quickly respond and, and react, that's helpful. Um, So you use journal request as a hashtag. I've that's really good to hear. Um, are there other hashtags that PRs might want to consider for finding these kind of media queries or is like journal request like the basic one? That's the one I've seen the most. Yeah. I'm a little familiar with it. I um, 
I keep forgetting to check that hashtag, but thank you for the reminder. <laughs> Do you ever, and you might have mentioned this, um, but have you ever used har- Haro? I call it Haro sometimes. <laughs> yes, I have for sure. And I also, I will say that for certain requests that I post on Haro, I might get 40 or 50 responses and I obviously can't use all of them in one story. So if I'm writing on a a related topic, instead of posting a new query, I'll often go back into the responses that I got on the previous query and look for other experts that I didn't use the previous time and reach out to them and say, hey, you you sent me a response you know, last year for a query, I'm writing a, a follow-up article on that topic, and I would love to connect with that client if if you still have a relationship with them. Oh my and, god, <laughs> that's amazing! And that that is why. So there are there are publicists who try to circumvent the Harrow system. They'll they'll be like, oh, I have Susan's email. I'm just going to email her directly instead of going through Harrow. I really prefer that you go through Harrow because then. Um, I can just scroll through all of the responses in one dashboard. Thank you. Casey Bond said the same exact thing. Yep. And I also I also want to mention that a lot of people, when they respond to a Hero query, will say, I'm attaching a press release or I'm attaching so-and-so's headshot and bio. And I don't think Hero, I don't think when it forwards to me, I don't get the attachment. So no need to send an attachment on our first interaction. Um, once we're emailing, then then you can send me an attachment. You can always say, um, here's a link to a Dropbox with so-and-so's headshots, um, and I'll be able to access the link. But any attachments that you send me when you're responding to a Hero query, I don't get. Um, and you know, having that um, that Dropbox link ready with here, you know, here are headshots of this person or here are product shots or anything like that, that is super, super helpful. Um, But please, sometimes, I think this tends to be more companies than PR professionals, but sometimes the link will be like, this link is expiring in 48 hours, or you have to enter a password. I mean, what is unless the information is embargoed or something, what is so secret about your executive's headshots? Like it doesn't need to be password, doesn't need to be password protected. And there's no reason that the link should expire in 48 hours because usually, usually I'm sharing that link with my editor and it's really not helpful if they can't access it or they have to use the password. So just make it as easy as possible. So anyone can access the Dropbox link and it's not going to self-destruct you know, in two days. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm can't even bother with that. So I'm glad to hear that I don't need to be putting passwords on my Dropbox folders. I don't, I don't really get why people go out of their way to do that. Yeah. Also, especially on Dropbox, but especially if you're emailing me photos, it's so much more helpful if the photo has a descriptive title. Sometimes people will just leave the random string of numbers in the document, but then I download the photo and it's, I have to open it to see what it is. So if you can title your photos with headshot, John Smith, CEO, or whoever it is, that's really helpful for me. That's a great tip. I love that. Do you like captions for the photos as well? Um, If it's a, if it's not clear what's happening in the photo, that can be helpful. But I mean, a lot of times if it's just so-and-so's headshot, Mm-hmm. I mean, just their name and their their title is sufficient. 
I would also say, please mention if there's a photo credit needed, you can put that in. If, if you're on Dropbox, you can put that information on Dropbox or you can put it in the, in the name of the file. Um, but it, that's helpful for me because I, if, if the PR person doesn't mention there's a photo credit needed, I'll often ask them. And it's just easier if they provide all that information up front so that the photographer can be properly credited and we don't have to exchange multiple emails to make sure that happens. Right. right. That's really helpful. Do you like when a publicist offers up an interview opportunity or would you just request that if needed? I do. I do like that because for most, unless it's a tight turnaround article, I do like to do phone interviews rather than just quoting from an email. When I when I interview someone, it's a little bit more candid. It's less less carefully edited and soundbitey, and I know I'm getting information directly from the source. I would say another thing that's helpful nowadays, there's a lot more awareness of wanting to use people's correct pronouns. So if you can include that in the email, that is helpful because sometimes when I ask someone what their preferred pronoun is, they don't know they don't know what I'm asking sometimes, or sometimes I forget and then I have to follow up. So that's just really helpful if that's included in in the pitch or even when you're setting up the interview, typically the PR person will say, this is the person's full name and title. And then you can just put their pronouns in parentheses. So there's no questions or confusion. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's something that I honestly, and I haven't done before. And I think it's really important to, to bring that to light. Absolutely. And even when people identify the way that they, you might assume that they would, that just sort of normalizes the sharing of pronouns and makes everyone more of an ally for people who may have less common pronouns. Yes, that's great. I love that tip. Thank you. Susan, you're a freelance writer. In your opinion, what are some of the best ways that PR folks in general can work better with freelance writers versus like a staff writer? Oh, I would say that what I mentioned earlier about if if I make a request on Twitter, being quick about following up, I would also say Freelance writers often don't know when the story will run. So I know that PR people use tools like Google Alerts to to monitor when their clients are mentioned in the news. So maybe leaning a little bit more on Google Alerts or checking the website versus you know following up with a writer every week to find out if the article's published or when it will publish. Because often, <laughs> often I don't know when it will publish. And I want to preserve the relationship with my editor. So I don't necessarily want to email the editor every week asking when it will run. That's fair. So I would say, um, you know, maybe, maybe not following up so frequently about, about when the article will, will run. Yeah. Because like, if you write an article, I mean, I'm assuming it will run eventually, but it could take over a month sometimes, right? Yes. I mean, I, I in the past have written for a quarterly magazine and I was getting, this was not from a PR person. This was from a source that I had connected with directly, but the source was texting me probably like every week or every other week asking it when it would run. And it's a quarterly magazine, so it's not going to, it's not going to come out the next day. Yeah. Um, very, I understand, very eager, very excited, but um, it, yeah, that's a little oversized. Yeah. And like do your research, right? If they knew it was a quarterly publication maybe wait three or four months before saying anything. Wait till the thing comes out. So if you are in digital PR, yeah. that's how Google Alerts can help. Um, 
There's another tool I want to name drop for listeners. It's called BuzzSumo. Um, it actually tracks backlinks too. So we'll put a link to it on the podcast page. But yeah, that's a very good tip. Thanks, Susan. I was also going to add that um, PR people can be helpful to freelancers if if they're ready to help when the writer has a specific ask, even if it's not a marquee name. Um, if you're only willing to connect me with sources when I'm writing for a big newsstand publication, it's harder for me to work with you because in in the interim, when I'm writing for smaller niche publications, I'm probably building relationships with PR people who are willing to help with those those smaller yeah. asks because they understand that you could be writing for like a tiny trade magazine one day and then the next assignment is is for a big national publication. And I need experts for all of those assignments across the spectrum. So it's helpful when you're when you're willing to help, even if it's a smaller name publication. Okay. Question. Do you have PR people actually asking you what publication is for and declining you if it's a smaller one? Or are you referring more to whenever you get pitched, they only mention like the big names? Yes. I think I think some of it is maybe not the PR person, but their clients wanting to prioritize media requests. So for instance, when typically when I when I post a hair request, um, I will tell you the publication when you respond. And so I might say, yes, I'm writing for, I don't know, Sandwiches Monthly. I'm making up that publication. I love and that then publication. the person might say, <laughs> it's, it's delicious. Tasty, right? um, <laughs> nice juicy content. Um, the, the PR person might say, you know, my client is just doesn't feel like Sandwiches Monthly is a good fit for their brand. So we're going to decline this opportunity. Ouch. Really? Um, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes, that has that has happened before. And I also get PR people who respond to Harrow pitches and all they say is what pa- what publication is this for? And if I'm getting 40 or 50 responses, I probably am not going to take the time to respond to someone who is just asking that up front. I'm going to respond to the person who sent me a couple of meaty sentences and then say, hey, this is for Sandwiches Monthly, and I would love to include your client if we can set up an interview later this week. Good for you. I would never, ever respond to anyone just straight up asking (laughs) on a Harrow. Like, what do they think? Do they think that no one else is responding to these things? Like, you've got a job to do, and you only have so much time. So, okay. No PRs. Don't do that. That's stupid. So when you post on Harrow, do you usually post as an uh, as an anonymous or that the outlet is anonymous or I do I usually I usually generalize the publication like if if I were writing for sandwiches monthly let's say I might say a national national trade publication for the food industry for instance okay do you do that so that you are you might receive less pitches and it's less to work work through or is there what's the reason why no, I actually hadn't considered that angle. Um, I do it because if there's a another publication, I don't necessarily want Sandwiches Monthly's competition to know what types of stories they're working mm. on. Oh. So I keep it I keep it kind of general until I'm actually communicating with someone one to one. Very good point. Yeah, I never thought about that before. I always wondered why why um, people who post queries into Haro um, anonymize it sometimes. So. Since the onset of COVID-19, what has changed the most about your day-to-day? 
Well, in some cases, timelines can be much faster or sometimes they can be a lot slower. So for instance, in April, I was writing a ton about SBA loans. I'm not writing about that right now, so no need to pitch me about SBA loans and the PPP. Um, but because the landscape was changing so quickly back in April, I had very quick turnaround times, sometimes just 24 hours from assignment to deadline. And instead of the more leisurely process of emailing to set up a phone interview, I some I would call call someone cold, or I might use an emailed statement if that's all I could get rather than talking to a source. My preference is always to talk to a source, but if that's not possible, then we just have to use whatever, whatever workarounds we can to meet the deadline. And because of the need for emailed statements, I wish that PR people would include the person's pronoun and also, you know, job titles and just everything so it's really clear. And occasionally I will get someone who sends a statement but doesn't say who it's who it should be attributed to. And you can't attribute a statement to an entire company. So it really needs to have a person and a job title attached to it. Then in May, on the other hand, timelines have been a lot slower. I think my editors are feeling burnt out. So they're taking longer to respond to pitches. They might have smaller freelance budgets at the moment. So if it's not a timely topic, they might be slower to approve the pitch and also to publish. I know that's frustrating for PR people, but it's also frustrating for me because I want the assignment. I want to share the published article on social media, but we all just need to be patient and adaptable, I think. Very good advice and very important for all of us to remember right now. Um, so would you say that most of your the stories that you're writing are focusing on how COVID-19 is impacting or you know has a tie into COVID-19 or um, are you still writing content that's not all about it? I would say... You know, back in March, it was it was mixed. In April, it was mostly laser focused on COVID nineteen, and now it's it's topics that may not be directly related to COVID nineteen, but they're they're influenced by by the pandemic and the way that we're living and working in this in this moment. Ah, uh, so like adjacent, I guess, or yes, the new mm-hmm. normal content or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, I hate the phrase. I know normal, everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. Um, I know it's tough. So, for PRs pitching COVID nineteen related stories and sources, what advice do you have for them? Oh, that's tough. Um, I, I think the bar, because freelance budgets are smaller and ev- everyone is kind of on a news overload, I would say the bar is a bit higher for PR pitches than it has been in the past. Unfortunately, I'm getting a lot of really generic pitches about um, tips on working from home and tips on dealing with your mental health during the coronavirus pandemic. And the generic stuff has already been covered. So I would say to choose a tighter focus if you can and to try to try to bring something new to the conversation rather than those kind of tired topics around working from home and avoiding burnout and, and those sorts of things. Like if you have a really specific, really creative idea about how a small business is, is pivoting, I've already written about companies pivoting to PPE, but if there's some other thing, other creative adaptation that companies are making, that would catch my attention. So at the end of each show, we try to 
you know, give a real life example of what a beautiful partnership between a PR person and a media professional can look like. Can you tell us maybe a real life story and it can be related to COVID-19 or it can be from, you know, something you wrote two years ago that really illustrates how a collaborative uh, partnership can look like or should look like? Sure. So I was thinking about that article that I I actually didn't write the article. I did all the, the research and the interviewing for the PPE article. And I talked to something like eight companies and several of them used PR people and everyone was fantastic. I mean, it was a really stressful time. These companies are going through huge changes and transformations, but they all made spokespeople available on very short notice. I only needed about five to 10 minutes on the phone with each person and I wanted to be respectful of their time, but I knew that that would get me higher quality quotes versus just emailing back and forth. So everyone answered follow-up questions quickly. They provided photos. One company had to stop making PPE, but the PR person told me right away so we could update the article. Um, So it was no big deal. And just everyone, it was a great, great collaboration because everyone kind of understood the urgency of the assignment and they were they were willing to help and provide information. It's a good example. It shows that that person is just very responsive and is being a helpful human. So I love that. All righty. Well, I think that sums it up. I think we've covered it all. Thank you so much, Susan. It was really great talking to you. And I'm really, really, really excited about how this conversation went. I know there's so many different tips. This is going to be a good, good blog post as well. So thank you. Great. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of We Earn Media. If you head over to weearnmedia.com, you'll find a summary of the episode along with links to any of the resources and more information about our lovely guest and where you can find them online. If you have any topic suggestions or just general PR questions for us or future guests, email us at podcast at weearnmedia.com. Of course, you can also find us on social media. Our handle is at weearnmedia and we're on Twitter and Instagram. 